Are we evolved for polyamory? Way back in the Paleolithic, when we were all hunter-gatherers, were we more like chimps with serial monogamy and a little on the side? Or were we more like bonobos getting it on with multiple lovers at the same time? In the best-selling book Sex at Dawn, Christopher Ryan and Cecilda Jetta argue that we are actually more like bonobos, evolved for multiple lovers. But is that really true? That's what we're talking about on today's brief episode. I'm B.T. Newberg, and this is the History of Sex Short Shorts. And now the royal singing their big record, Short Shorts! I want to thank our Patreon patron, Richard Little, for making this episode possible. Before we get started, I want to tell you about a fascinating podcast that you should definitely check out. It's called The History of Byzantium, hosted by Robin Pearson. It chronicles the span of the Byzantine Empire, which carried on the Eastern Roman Empire for another thousand years after the one in the West fell. And you might be especially interested in his Backer Rewards series, Women in the Roman World, telling all about the role of women in the later Roman Empire. Check out those special premium episodes for sale at the show's website at www.thehistoryofbyzantium.com. So these short shorts are extras and tangents off the main feed, tidbits and questions that didn't quite fit but are still wildly interesting. And frankly, I can crank these babies out much faster than the main episodes. The main episodes take me like at least a month per episode to make, which is why we can only release them seasonally. But these shorts I can produce about as fast as you want because they're more freeform, they're more loose, and most of the material is generated just from the research of doing the main episode. So here you go. I hope you enjoy them. Let's get started. So I got the idea for our very first main episode, the one entitled What the Zombie Apocalypse Teaches Us About Sex, from a recommendation from Dan Carlin. That's right, that's a name drop. When I interviewed Dan Carlin of Hardcore History for my other show, Dead Ideas, you know, no big deal, he said I should check out a book called Sex at Dawn by Christopher Ryan and Cecilda Jetta, which I did and which set my brain on fire. It's an amazing book that I highly recommend, but which I also found can be wildly misleading. So I want to talk a little about that today. Now, before we really get into things, I want to draw a clear distinction between polygamy and polyamory. Polygamy is an anthropological term for multiple spouses in marriage, which most often manifests as one man, multiple wives. Now, in contrast, polyamory is a modern Western term for a certain kind of lifestyle. Modern polyamory is not just anything goes wild abandon. Multiple sexual partners is certainly an important part of polyamory. But the other part is the willing consent of all parties involved. Trust is the trick. And you can still be faithful and committed to a partner by upholding your promises to each other, but those promises need not necessarily involve sexual exclusivity in the opinion of polyamorists. So it's not just anything goes. Rather, it's a lifestyle 
socially sanctioned within the polyamorous community that is, or at least can be, ethical. Meanwhile, jealousy is an emotion that each individual needs to work out for themselves, and believe it or not, there can even be a feeling called compersion. Now, compersion is the joy felt in seeing a partner happy and fulfilled with other partners. It's analogous to the feeling felt by parents when their child gets married or by your best friend when you get married. And believe it or not, you can even feel compersion and jealousy at the same time. You know, kind of like a bridesmaid, both happy and envious, because we're complex human beings, right? Pretty thought-provoking when you think about it. So that is how modern polyamorous tend to describe their lifestyle. So what about now primitive polyamory? What about, you know, what about a system of multiple lovers among hunter-gatherers like we've been talking about in this series? Well, the kinds of relationships among hunter-gatherers that we're going to talk about today likewise involve multiple sexual partners in a socially sanctioned way. Now, mind you that values can be quite different in other cultures, and that can make the whole consent aspect a little difficult to parse in some cases, and we will see an instance of that today. But we're still talking about a lifestyle of multiple partners that fits within the bounds of a culture's ethics. Now, the interesting question here is, are we evolved for this kind of lifestyle? That's what Ryan and Jetta are getting at. So above and beyond whether or not you can lead an ethical lifestyle like this, have we actually been specifically nudged toward it by evolution? That's where we can dive into our book, Sex at Dawn by Christopher Ryan and Cecilda Jetta, made a big splash when it came out in 2001. Some of you may have heard of it, others maybe not. This is an amazing book that I highly recommend because it will light your brain on fire, but it is also wildly misleading in its presentation, as we will see. And that's the main thing I want to talk about today. We're not going to come to any final answers about whether we evolved, you know, for polyamory or not. But the main thing is I want to present this book so you can do the research on your own, but present it so that you can do it informed and in the right way. So, here we go. The basic premise of the book is maybe we were evolved not for monogamy, but for polyamory. Now, Ryan and Jetta don't actually use the word polyamory, but they pretty clearly mean a socially sanctioned lifestyle involving multiple lovers and not necessarily within the bonds of marriage, so polygamy doesn't really cover it. It really feels more like they're talking about a kind of polyamory for which they argue we might be evolved. And the jumping off point for this line of argument is the fact that although we are normally thought of as being most closely related to chimpanzees, on the evolutionary tree we are actually equidistant with both chimps and bonobos. Our lineages actually diverge at roughly the same time, and we don't know exactly which one we descend from. So it could be either. Now the key insight here is that while chimps are monogamous with a little on the side, bonobos are straight up polygamous. I mean, they don't have marriage, but you know, they're talking about mating. So the thought seems to be, maybe we are more closely related to bonobos and evolved to be polyamorous, but developments since agriculture have forced us into a monogamous mold, and that's why we have so much difficulty staying faithful to one another, faithful in the monogamous sense, in our modern era. 
Hmm, interesting question. The problem is, Ryan and Jetta cherry-pick their evidence like they're at a frickin' cherry orchard, so that their evidence to make it look like many pre-agricultural societies are just unproblematically polyamorous actually becomes quite problematic itself. In many cases, with the societies they described, it is anything but the case. In fact, many of the tribes that they talk about actually argue against their thesis once you get the fuller picture. And that's the part that you need to be prepared for in approaching this book. So let's take a look at one of the tribes that they describe. Just as an example, this is an Amazon tribe called the Canela. And looking at the Canela, they're a fascinating people, and this will be worth the whole episode just in itself right here. So here's what Ryan and Jetta say about the Canela. This is on page 120 of my copy of the book, and it's in the context of talking about uh, marriage and virginity issues. All right, so they say, Among the Canela, explained Crocker and Crocker, the anthropologists that they're quoting, Virginity loss is only the first step into full marriage for a woman. There are several other steps needed before the Canela considers a couple to be truly married, including the young woman's gaining social acceptance through her service in a festival men's society. This premarital service includes sequential sex with 15 to 20 men. If the bride-to-be does well, she'll earn payments of meat from the men, which will be paid directly to her future mother-in-law on a festival day. Done. That's the whole paragraph that they give on the canela. And then just reading that, you're just like, wait a minute, what? Just like, what? tell me more. Well, the only other place that they talk about the canela in their book is page 146, let's go there, where they write, Anthropologist William Crocker is convinced that canela husbands are not jealous, writing, whether or not Canela husbands are telling the truth about not minding, they join with other members in encouraging their wives to honor the custom of ritual sex with 20 or more men during all community ceremonies. And then Ryan and Jetta comment, Now anyone who can pretend not to be jealous as his wife has sex with 20 or more men is someone you do not want to meet across the poker table. In other words, they're saying, Yeah. It, you're telling me that they just pretend not to be jealous? No, they'd have to be like master deceivers. They're not jealous. And so that's the point they're making is that in this society, jealousy is not a problem. And if that were true, oh my God, wouldn't that completely turn on its head your conceptions about emotions and sexuality and everything about our species and how we relate one gender to another? That would be amazing. But is it really true? Let's find out. So as it turns out, an anthropologist by the name of Lynn Saxon has actually written an entire book just enumerating all the things that Sex at Dawn gets wrong or presents misleadingly. And Saxon's book is called Sex at Dusk. You can find it on Amazon. So Lynn Saxon presents a very different picture of the canela giving a much fuller context. So let's go to her now and see what this tribe is really like. Saxon writes, The Canela are a tribe living in a single circular village of about 1,000 people. Females stay in their natal home while males move to the home of their wife. Couples are instructed by their uncles not to be sexually jealous. Sounds like Ryan and Jetta got at least that right. 
Girls have their first sex between the ages of 11 and 13, and the young male, perhaps 10 years older, she has that first sex with automatically becomes her husband. There are many steps she has to go through before her marriage is secure, the final one being the birth of a child. All right, so we already see that it's a pretty different kind of sexual setup that this tribe has going on here. Let's continue. After a few months of marriage, the couple might not see much of each other, the girl is then expected to accept sexual invitations from other men. After doing so, she is then assigned, along with another girl, to a men's society during a summer festival. Here's what Ryan and Jetta must have been talking about. And is expected to allow perhaps as many as 25 men to have sex with her sequentially. She now wins her maturity belt, which, after a brief period of seclusion, is painted by her female in-laws. Her role now is predominantly to provide sex to motivate men to work and bond. Sometimes she receives some meat from them or other small gifts for her female kin. Okay, I'm now wondering how consensual this is, but let's go on and find out. When a girl or woman does become pregnant and she has sex during the pregnancy a number of times with other men, these men are also seen as fathers, though with fewer obligations than the husband to the child. So that's a partable paternity belief as we discussed in our main episode on sex and hunter-gatherers on the main feed. Male bonding within this single community is affected through quite severe training of youths, plus the bonding through sharing of wives and sequential sex during summer festivals with childless girls assigned to them for this purpose. Youths also go through various internments, instruction, and discipline to train them for military-style obedience. Sex is actually the most effective means of social control, especially social control, of young men. The Canela were once fierce fighters, and their socialization and intergenerational authority is based on their need for military discipline. They do, though, have to be instructed not to be jealous. The loss of warfare led to youth no longer submitting to control by the elders, and ultimately the male-male bonding and the suppression of sexual jealousy broke down. Huh. Okay. So what's that sex like, I wonder? Well, Saxon reports, Crocker concludes, and I have to agree, that female orgasm does not occur. The majority of the sex is for male gratification, and as masturbation is strictly forbidden for both sexes, the fact that most sex lasts for a matter of seconds is perhaps not too difficult to believe. Canela sex involves no kissing and no touching of genitals, and the man simply squats between the legs of the woman who is not to move his hands to each side of her body for support. Hmm. So what about, like... How consensual is this? Do these girls just accept it as a part of their society? They look at it as a duty that they have to perform, although they don't want to? Do they actually refuse? What's that like? Let's find out. It is perhaps no wonder that girls and women might volunteer for sequential sex, as it is only after a succession of very brief copulations that they may experience some arousal and pleasure. About every other year, there is an occurrence where a girl will not agree to sequential sex, and so she is forced to comply by a group of men each having sex with her to tame her, quote-unquote, basically a punitive gang rape. 
She knows she has no choice and that even if injured, she will gain no sympathy. She has been raised to know what is expected of her and that she will have to comply. She is also told that she may even come to enjoy it and especially to enjoy sex with a long-term lover in time. Ooh, yeah, okay, so... By this point, with that fuller context, we're getting a much more detailed picture of this tribe. This is not a tribe of easygoing, free-loving, hippie commune partygoers here. It is, this is like a military installation of highly disciplined and highly sexually repressed people who have just these kind of outlets that are highly restricted and duty-bound. Hmm. Yikes. That really turns on its head the argument that Ryan and Jetta were trying to make in their book, Sex at Dawn. So that's the kind of thing that you have to watch out for when you read a book like that. I do highly recommend it because, like I said, it will set your brain on fire with these questions, but an absolute must is to also read, at the same time, Lynn Saxon's Sex at Dusk. By the way, I get nothing from either of these authors. This is not a sponsored plug. I just found this fascinating, so I'm passing it on to you. Now, to return to the issue of polyamory, what we just saw among the canela, you might call polyamory of a sort, but it is a pretty far cry from the modern Western kind for which consent is a key tenet. I want to be clear about that. Nevertheless, the question remains whether we might be evolved for a multiple lovers type situation. And for that, well, you'll just have to check out these two books and decide for yourself. There's a whole lot more presented as evidence that we don't have the time to get into here. Suffice to say, I'm not entirely convinced and most experts in the field aren't either, but it remains a fascinating question, which I just wanted to bring up to you here. Anyway, that's all that we have time for today. I hope you do check out these books. Just make sure that you read both of them at the same time so that you can be informed when you make up your mind about whether or not we are evolved for polyamory. All right, that is our episode for today. I'm B.T. Newberg, and I will see you next time for another of our short shorts. Podcast theme music mixed from tracks by Kevin McLeod and short shorts by The Royal Teens. For additional credits, references, picks, and more, see our website at www.historyofsexpod.com.